ever have a conversation with your girlfriend that was so good you wish it had been recorded? Think those conversations would be great to be able to share? Wondering if there's support or research for the recommendations your smart girlfriends give about mental, spiritual, and physical health? This podcast was born to answer those kinds of questions. Hello, I'm Sherry Coleman-Collins, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist, and here with me in the studio is my girlfriend, Dee Wilson. We're excited to have you joining us for this edition of the Southern Fried Girlfriends Podcast. Dee, how are you today? I am doing great, Sherry. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. It is spring, solid spring in the South, and that to me is like the best season. It only lasts about, you know, 14 days or something. Well, and 14 days that you could actually go outside, yeah. so it's like after the pollen yeah. has ended and before the like... Oh. Recipe comes. Right? Yeah. That window is about 14 days long. Yeah. And we're in it and I'm loving it. So yeah, I, we have the beautiful. door open. So for our listening audience, you may hear some, like, you know, the sound of some birds out there. And if you don't hear it, I'm sorry you're missing out because we've got the door <laughs> open and it is glorious here. Yes. So I love this time of the year because to me, it's like the best of the South. Everything's blooming and beautiful. We had rain, so the pollen is down. Yes. Yeah. And it's great. I like, uh, I think I like fall, like that 14 days mm-hmm. of fall, like the heat <laughs> is gone. There's just a little bit of a crisp in the air and yeah. before it starts to rain, oh. like that's my favorite part. But this is very similar. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. it. It's so nice. But it has been a little warm too. My son went swimming this week. Oh, wow. In the pool. In the pool. I know. I thought so, but he was like all into it. The pool is 75 degrees, so that's pretty nice, I think. But kids, they don't seem to like react to things. They're like bodies are rubber. Yeah. What is that? What is that? When when does that stop? Man, I I wish I could get back there. I know. Me too. (laughs) I wish I could be quite as flexible as he is. And although, you know, and and I also kind of wish I could throw temper tantrums like he can. (laughs) I mean, you can. Well, this is true. (laughs) We'll laugh at you. But you can do it. <laughs> the world might not be quite as tolerant of me as they are of him. Well, that girl, get up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although I kind of am that way with him. I'm like, okay, when, are you done? Are you done? Let's are you go. Done? Okay. Cool. <laughs> well, I am also super excited about today's topic. I think it is going to be um, really wonderful for people to hear and think about. And um, I think, you know, it falls solidly somewhere between like spiritual and emotional health to me mm-hmm. because it's something that I think we all see and we oftentimes we see needs, but we don't know how to respond to them. We don't know what to do. And I think sometimes we maybe we we see the need or we choose not to see the need, you know, maybe we see it and then we step over it or we see it and we step past it. We see it and we feel overwhelmed by the needs around us and we don't know what to do. So we don't it's do like anything. I can't do anything about this. Exactly. So. Exactly. We just, I think that this is the this is the struggle in our society in general, you know, I, I really think that in the U.S., we're so, obviously, we're so blessed in so many ways, right? We have so much that we need in the way of material things, and our society is is rich in many ways, and yet I think that that oftentimes blinds us to the needs around us, right? It's easy not to see them because we're very comfortable, so it's easy to not think about the needs of other people around us, mm. and so I think this 
subject is going to be challenging for us, you know, especially if you're somebody who who is very comfortable where you are and doesn't have a lot of physical or felt needs. This is going to be, I think, maybe a little bit of a challenging subject. So I just want to say that in advance for our audience so that they don't tune out. Listen, (laughs) (laughs) this is important stuff. And I think that you'll be blessed by listening to it and, and thinking for yourself about how you can apply some of the things that you hear wherever you are. You know, we're not going to tell you you have to sell all your stuff and move, (laughs) but we are going to encourage you to think about how you can love your neighbor. So that's sort of our topic today. Awesome. And I think for me, you know, when we started talking about this and our guest is probably going to share a little bit more about this too, it of course made me think about the, um, the scripture in, from Mark 12 that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Of course, that is sort of like the great commandment. The commandment to us is to love God above all things. But Jesus doesn't divorce that from the second part of that statement, which is the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, um, so, so like, I just dove into that super serious, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I don't know any other way to do it. And so with that in mind, I want to invite our guests to join us, um, today. And that's Brooke Akins, who's a passionate advocate in the world of social justice. And I first met Brooke at our church. So we we go to church together at City Church Marietta. And Brooke has shared her story with our um, small groups and then with our whole church, even, you know, sharing sort of her passion and interest in helping other people. So here's a little bit about Brooke. She's a UGA alum and we'll love her anyway. And a, an elementary school teacher by trade, Brooke felt called to community ministry and intended neighboring in her early 20s. Her career in ministry began when she moved to Baltimore as part of a church plant called Gallery Church. Gallery became like a family to her and inspired her to grow her passion for biblical hospitality. I love that biblical hospitality by earning a Master of Divinity in Missions from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. After graduating, Brooke planted the seeds for her own nonprofit, Love Well, and we'll learn more about that, by moving into an apartment complex and teaching in a nearby school where most of her neighbors and students were minorities and immigrants. So welcome to the show, Brooke. Hi, thanks. I'm glad to be here. So tell us a little bit more about you and what you're doing and how you got there. Start wherever you want to. <laughs> so I grew up um, in Marietta, in, near Marietta in okay. Georgia. Um, my dad is a pastor. My mom's a teacher. Um, so I grew up kind of in the world of serving and loving others, um, and being a community like God calls us to be. Um, but when I graduated college, I started teaching cause that's what I'd wanted to do my whole life. And then I taught for a year and God was like, nah, I don't think this is exactly where you're supposed to be. So I kind of spent my twenties moving and traveling and living in different places. I lived in Baltimore city for two years, um, working with a church plant, I also taught at a Jewish school. I was there, which was really cool. Um, And then I went to seminary in New Orleans. um, And so I got to see, I got to live in several different places and see the world in through different eyes than mine. And in that process, and in that process, um, God kind of just started changing my heart and developing my passion more for others and what it looks like to be a neighbor and to be, um, to love people like he does, to be part of a community. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And so when you, so did you think you might go to seminary? Was that ever a plan for you? No. Um, <laughs> actually, my plan growing up was to graduate college, get married, and have kids, and, and have a family. That was my plan. Teach for a few years, maybe. And um, that hasn't happened yet. Um, so I graduated college, and then God just kind of moved me around. Now, I, I think he did a lot in that time. Um, he, he took a lot of fear out of my heart. I was very afraid of things and didn't want to do something that I wasn't supposed to do or what was wrong or I wanted to be exactly right and I mm. didn't want to do new things. And And I think God just kind of said, you got to rely on me a little more than this kid. And, um, <laughs> and I'm going to make you by moving <laughs> yes. you. And he did. He sent me to, I spent some time overseas in Israel um, the summer I graduated college for about six weeks there and I was terrified. Oh. Um, but God was like, why? Because it, at the time it was the Middle East and that's a scary place to go mm. and that. And that's what I thought. And I knew and growing up, like I always had this like urge kind of towards missions, but all I knew growing up of missionaries was they go overseas and they die. Yeah. And so I was terrified. Mm. Um, but guys, I love, um, the Israel and the Middle East. It's one of my favorite places to be. They're so genuine and such sweet people and, and their culture is fantastic. They're so welcoming. And God just challenged a lot in me, a lot of preconceptions and a lot of ideas I had about people and about the world and, and how we live at that, how we live out his love and, and how we live as neighbors. And, but I think he had to move me all of those places. Um, to get me to do that and yeah, to mm -hmm. understand that and be, and be willing to do whatever he calls me to do. Mm -hmm. So seminary was not something I had planned to do. Um, but it was fantastic. And he showed me, he, I taught, I learned so much about the church, about church history, about living as a neighbor and living missionally and about myself. Mm -hmm. And if you ever, you know, if you are a believer and you have a chance to learn more about those things, do it. Yeah. You don't have to go to seminary, but do it in any way you can read more, learn the history, learn where, you, where your beliefs come from. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of our listeners may not be believers, mm -hmm. right? So, so can you explain to somebody who's not, who's never been to church or who doesn't really understand what is missions? What does that even mean? So often when we talk about missions, we're talking about um, going to somewhere else and telling people about Jesus. That's the simplest way that I grew up understanding what missions was. Um, I see it a little differently now. I see it as missions, as living the way Jesus lived where you are. Mm -hmm. And... How, what does that mean for who, how I interact with my neighbors and, and the schools that I go to and the places I shop and how I speak to others and how I think of others? And what does that mean for how involved I get in my community politics or our world politics? And so missions still has that connotation of going and sharing because mm -hmm. that's what we're called to do as believers is to share Jesus's love and mm -hmm. share the gospel with others. But there's ways to do it where you are. You don't have to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. Stay where you are and, and love people where you are. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, what I always think of too is the the scripture that says, go and make disciples, mm -hmm. right? So Jesus tells his own followers to go and make more followers, mm -hmm. you know, go and share the gospel, tell people about Jesus' mission and love and help people learn to love Jesus mm -hmm. just like they yeah, love him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very good. And so you... 
But you, so how did you overcome the anxiety then? If you felt like all this fear and anxiety, (laughs) but then you ended up going all over the place. How did you get over that? Truly, I I don't know other than God just changing my heart. I don't have an answer. It was just a very, it was just a very clear, like, it's like I, immersion therapy. Right? Like, exactly. <laughs> you're going to go and you're going to be in this place where you don't know anybody and you're unfamiliar with the culture of the people. And you can't speak and you're the gonna, language. you're going to figure it but out. But she had to like, <laughs> like pack a bag and go buy a ticket. You had to do so that. So was, there was some obedience I, oh, in you. Yeah. Was, I think it was just knowing this is where, what I was supposed to be doing. And yeah. I am terrified. Yeah. But this is where I've, God's put me and called yeah. me to what be. What am I going to do? Tell him no. Yeah. yeah. And so like, <laughs> sometimes I think it's scarier not to do yes. what I feel like I have to do versus just doing it. And I've done that so many times. Truthfully, I've done that so many times, but I, you know, in those moments, it was just very clear that this is what God's called me to do. And I'm terrified, but I'm going to have to do it anyway. And I'm not perfect at that. I still struggle with that a lot. Sometimes the big obediences are bigger than the small ones. Yeah. And so going to a country I've never been to might be a whole lot easier than talking to the person next door. Oh, yeah, for sure. Or going to that restaurant over and over and over again to get to know the people who work there and build those relationships and become friends with them. Sometimes it's so much easier to go somewhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still obedience and you still have to overcome those fears, but... It was truly, it was just God little by little moving me in those ways and being so faithful in planning people in my path that were friendly and helpful and and eased those fears. People Mm -hmm. who had been along the journey before me that I could learn from and go with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so. So that speaks to the whole concept of investment, right? Mm -hmm. So there were people who invested in your life when you were afraid and when you were new and when you were learning and when God was shaping your mission. Mm -hmm. And now you get to do that for other people too. (laughs) (laughs) So in your bio, it said that you, um, you decided to move into community, right? So you did this international stuff. You went to Baltimore and then you came here Mm -hmm. back to Marietta, right? Mm -hmm. Where it all began. Like everything I think in life (laughs) to me anyway, things like go full circle. Mm -hmm. Like I think we end up always going back to Mm -hmm. so many of the same things, Mm -hmm. sometimes emotionally and spiritually and, and sometimes physically even. Mm -hmm. So here you are in Marietta. Here I am back in Marietta. I never expected (laughs) to be back in Marietta. I kind of always pictured myself living in a city, actually, okay. like New Orleans or Baltimore, or even downtown a big city. Atlanta. Yeah, like a city. Yeah. I mean, um, Atlanta's twenty it's minutes right up there, the road. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one of the things that God really showed me was there's people everywhere, mm-hmm. and I don't have to be in a city to see people yeah. and to to serve people or to be a neighbor. Sometimes mm-hmm. we think those problems, homelessness or drugs or food poverty or food deserts or whatever the problem may be, any of those issues, we think they're like over there Yeah. when they're not, they're right here. And sometimes they're more here than we realize. Yeah. And so the God just kind of, it's not about the place. It's not about the city. It's about the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where are the people that he's called me to live with and mm-hmm. to love. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's interesting you say that. And in particular, I would say about food poverty and food deserts, you know, certainly that's an issue in cities, but it's a huge issue in rural America, it you know, is. where people live very far away from grocery stores and they don't have regular access to food pantries and they have very limited access to health care. You know, in rural America, it's sometimes even a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. It's a different problem, but mm-hmm. it can be a bigger problem. It can't, yeah. Sometimes we see the issues as city issues, but really they're issues 
worldwide. Yeah. The issues in it's so much easier though to think of it as an issue that's over there. It is. Yeah, it is. Know, it is. Rather than something that may be happening it, to my, my neighbor yes. that I can actually have some impact mm-hmm. on. Because mm-hmm. if it's over there, it's like, oh, well, there's Hands nothing on. I can yeah. do. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe I'll make a donation eventually. Yeah. yeah. But no, honey, it's it's your next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what are you gonna do about like for me, there there came to I came to know that there was some food insecurity with a family that lives in my neighborhood. What am I going to do about that? Mm-hmm. Like I that I can't just say oh I'm going to give twenty dollars to the Red Cross. <laughs> no, like there's something that I need to mm-hmm. do for someone in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. and it I had to take responsibility mm-hmm. for making sure that they were okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's harder to do than writing a check. It is harder to do. Yeah, but I think that's so much of what being a neighbor is. Is see one of my favorite names for God in the Bible is the God who sees. Yes, because here we have Hagar who is an outcast and she is, has been shoved to the side and treated horribly. And she's the first one who she names God. She's mm-hmm. you are the God who sees. And I love that because if he's the God who sees and we are people who are following him or are supposed to be like him and learning to be more like him, then we have to be people who see mm-hmm. and we have to see the way he sees. Mm-hmm. And we have to see our neighbors and not just the issues far away. We have to see where it is mm-hmm. in our backyard with mm-hmm. my neighbors next door and the people I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that just has, that has transformed a lot of my thinking. That's a constant prayer. I praise God. Let me see. Like you see, Sh- let me see, help open my eyes, help me see. Mm-hmm. And he, he does. You gotta, when you pray something like that, you gotta be ready for him to answer it because he's going to say, say, all right, you want to see? We'll let you do that. Yeah. Don't pray lightly. Yeah. (laughs) I think that prayer sort of lends itself to the prayer that is its sister prayer or the outcome of that prayer, which is God break my heart for the things that break Mm -hmm. your heart, you know, because I think when we see like he sees, we see with love, but we also see the brokenness in our world. Yeah, there definitely is a action aspect of that. You can't stop it. Let me see. You Mm -hmm. have to let me see and then show me help, show, show me, me where to go where and to what go, to do and where to engage to that yeah. where you're already working where can i join you with that yeah and i think that 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 is what will make a difference and you know in the beginning i said you know sometimes it feels like the needs are overwhelming there are so many needs you know sometimes we don't see them and sometimes we see them all right when there's a natural disaster or when mm-hmm. we're face to face with you know, overwhelming poverty and homelessness. I mentioned, I think I mentioned on the show before about being in San Francisco, um, or I know that you and I mm-hmm. talked about this, talked you know, in, in San Francisco, I was there recently and I hadn't been there in a lot of years. And, um, I love San Francisco. It's one of my favorite cities. Been, I really oh, I love it. It's <laughs> so beautiful. And it's, it's just, it's just a fun city, a vibrant city, a city that's a great food city. So if you're a foodie like me, um, San Francisco is <laughs> like, an eater like me. That's right. <laughs> Put it on your list because it's worth the tra- it's worth it's worth the flight and the travel, which is not easy to get to it, but it's beautiful and I love it. Anyway, I was there recently after not being there for a while, and um, I had you know several days in the city, and so I did a lot of walking because if you're there, you walk all over the city, and the the homelessness in San Francisco was just staggering, overwhelming. Every street, everywhere I went, I saw homeless people on the street. And the majority of them seemed to me to have mental health issues and or drug issues. I even saw someone inject on the street in the middle of the day. So it was, I was just like 
just totally overwhelmed by what I was seeing and my heart was just broken and I was walking across around the city just praying like god what is happening here mm. you know are you going to like is are you just letting the city go you know are you here like, at god, all don't you see this exactly that's exactly how this? I felt that's yeah. exactly how I felt I was like are you just and he's like <clears throat> yeah well <laughs> so as I was walking I started to pray you know mm. lord I just prayed for the people and for the city and that his presence would be there. And I, I'm not kidding you. I walked across, walked, I was walking through the streets and I walked down the street and I was walking along and I saw a marquee and on the marquee was Hillsong, mm. Hillsong tonight, seven o'clock. It was 645 in the PM and it was, they were having church right there. And these people, these young, you know, I love Hillsong church for the fact that they just attract so many young people and these are enthusiastic people. And, and, you know, I just love the music. And anyway, it was like an invitation. It was God saying, I'm here, Mm -hmm. come and come and be with me. And so I went in and had church with, you know, this, this group of young people really, you know, and I'm I'm so old, but it was like, it was like just this, it was just a wonderful time of worship. And I asked the people like, what are you guys doing about this? Like what's happening in San Francisco? How are you ministering to the people here? And I got to have a really good conversation with them and learn about what they are doing to try to help. But, but they admitted that the problem is overwhelming and it isn't something that any one church, any one group, any one one people can address. We have to do it together. Right. And that's, that's, we really are better together. Like we yes. hear that a lot, but we truly are better together knowing each other and knowing each other's stories and, and serving each other and loving each other makes the world better for everybody. Yes. And that's so, so much of being a neighbor to me is, it's just living intentionally living and, and and loving people. But what does that mean to love people? Like, mm-hmm. how do I do that? Well, in my context, sometimes that looks like um, sharing. It lo- always looks like sharing a meal. But sometimes it looks like helping with a citizenship test mm-hmm. or um, tutoring kids after school when their parents need our help to do that. Or just opening the door and being willing to hand out a freeze pop to a kid on a summer day. Like, it all... Looking, loving your neighbor is going to look different no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. And to know how to love your neighbor, you have to know your neighbor mm-hmm. and you have to know who they are and, and know their needs and know their needs. Cause if we don't know them, how am I going to know how to love you? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that takes you in places you never think you, you may study for a citizenship test when you never thought you were going to, or you may end up in neighborhoods that you never thought you were going to be in or. So talk about that. Rides. How did that, that, how did that work out for you? How did, how did you end up where you are? Right? <laughs> how did you get there? Yeah. So I, um, when I moved back from seminary from new Orleans to here to back to Marietta, my dad was a pastor and he, um, was running a, after a summer camp for some kids in a park. And he said, we want you to do that this summer. That was in 2015. And so we did that in their neighborhood. We went into the park and, um, played with them and told them, you know, Bible stories, but just got to know them really. And then we did it the next year and I started teaching for Marietta city schools. And I just really felt like God was telling me to move in. Like I I wanted to live in community with people who weren't like me. And part of being a neighbor and is seeing people, but also my neighbors are not always, my neighbors are not always going to look just like me and they're not going to be in my same situation. And that's good and important. And we have to be willing to 
cross some of those bridges and boundaries in order to get to know people. Cause everyone in our community is our neighbor. And I think we see that in scripture with the story of the good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very different and they were very removed and, but he still served the person and he loved him. He crossed those boundaries and he crossed those social fences. And he said, I'm going to love you anyway, even though we are enemies and my neighbors are not my enemies and there are no enemies here. Like, I don't know one. I don't, don't see, have any. No, I don't see anyone as my enemies, but in that, in that time, in that context, yeah. they might have viewed each other as enemies, which is why I use that word. Um, but I, there's, I don't like, there's no, no, I'm not saying today. that yeah, yeah. you do. No, just, you're no, reminding yeah. me of a conversation that me and my husband had a couple of days ago and I'm not even sure how we got on this topic, but What I said was, what are the chances that God would create a world of people who are vastly different from one another? No two of us think alike, look alike, are exactly alike. So he would create this world of different people, of different cultures, different backgrounds, different viewpoints, and not do that intentionally. It was intentional. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. not supposed to all be alike. No, so we not. don't have yeah. an enemy. We are mm-hmm. essentially the same because yes. we're all created by him. But we are supposed to be getting past these differences in order to see mm-hmm. the heart of Our each other. Our differences are beautiful. Yes. Yeah, they're intentional. Yes. Because if he wanted mm-hmm. us all to be and act like D, first of all, that would be world. But he would have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he didn't. he didn't. One of my favorite scriptures is... In Revelation, chapter I think it's chapter seven, where John is looking at this vision and he says there were people of all nations and all tongues praising God mm-hmm. at the in heaven or mm-hmm. in the new earth or and and that's what I, I cry every time like it just it's so beautiful and I I wanted that here and I really just felt like God mo- was saying it's time to like move into community like living in community and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And so I, because we've started getting to know the kids in that area and um, we had started building friendships, a roommate and I started looking for a house in that neighborhood and there were no houses and they're all duplexes, but none of them were up for sale or for rent. And it was kind of frustrating. And, but there was an apartment complex on that road. And so we started like looking at it and thinking about it and, we just started praying and say, okay, God, if this is where you want us, open the door and show us. And the apartment name is, it's dwell. Um, but, um, we started reading in scripture and like literally for both of us, every time we'd read the word dwell or some concept of dwelling would come up. And, and I loved that because it was kind of like God came to dwell with us. And in, in some ways it was like, he was pushing us to dwell with people in a context that we might've been uncomfortable in or that we were unfamiliar with. And so we moved in and I've been there. I, my roommate has since moved out. She had to, she moved away, but um, been there three years now. Um, My neighbors are majority immigrant neighbors. Um, I never, like I'm constantly hearing foreign languages speaking and I love it. Um, I can't talk to a lot of my neighbors. So that makes some of it a little difficult, the adults anyway, because I don't speak, their language I'm learning. Um, and that's something that I was convicted of is I can't move into a space 
into their space and expect and them, expect to, them to come to me. To me. Mm-hmm. I can't, I don't need them to conform to me. Um, I am in their space and, um, as a neighbor and, and we're getting to know each other still and building that trust and building friendships, but I had to be willing to, I have to be willing, not had present tense, have to be willing to, um, go out of my comfort zone and speak a language I'm not familiar with sometimes. I'm not always good about it, but I can't expect them to come to me. I mm-hmm. have to be willing to, to do those things. Yeah. Um, and, and it's I love it. I wouldn't honestly, like, I don't, I don't know how like, God could do something tomorrow and move me somewhere else. But while I'm here, I love it. And, um, I wouldn't live anywhere else right now. Um, I've learned so much from my neighbors, just watching them and seeing them interact with each other. They're constantly taking care of each other and they're hanging out and they're on their porches or they're on the playground and they're talking to each other and they know how to have fun. They know how to celebrate each other. And, and that's something we don't do well enough. I don't think in, in the cultures that I was raised in, we don't celebrate each other well. And, and they know how to do that and they Mm -hmm. know how to love each other and, and help each other out and, and be family, even mm. if they're not blood family. Um, That's exactly what I was thinking as you were yeah. talking. <laughs> <laughs> and they, you know, but I've also in living there and in being in a context that is not my context, it's not suburbia that I grew up in or rural that I grew up in when I've learned so much about how the world works and how other people see the world. Mm-hmm. And it's pushed me to see problems and to see things that I may not have known beforehand Mm -hmm. and to see the world in a way where like I had a a lady one time, she's an immigrant and I was asking her kind of, so there's a lot going on in the world with immigration and and what's going on. Do you mind my asking? How are you like, how are you feeling right now? How how are y'all doing? What's your, you know, how do y'all feel about this? And she said to me, and I will never forget this. She said to me, There is a saying in our neighborhood, in our community right now, that when you put your kid on the bus, you better hug them goodbye because you never know if you're going to see them again. And I was like, I cry every time I say that story. Mm. I was like, no one deserves to live that way. And these are my neighbors and our community members. And if we're believers, they're our brothers and sisters. They Mm -hmm. are. And our family is suffering and they're living in places and in a world that might be safe for me, but it is not safe for them. And being a neighbor means engaging that. And, and trying to figure out how to make the world safe for everybody so that everybody flourishes and everybody can live the life that we should be able to live. And our neighbors right now are not able to do that. Some immigrants and people in poverty and minorities and and women and, and all kinds of us, are people are not able to live And acknowledging safely. that, saying that, seeing that costs you nothing. No, mm-hmm. it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes like if I am not, it it does sometimes take a mind shift. You know, if I'm not grown up in that, that world, it does take a willingness to see the world through someone else's eyes, but it doesn't cost me anything. And that's growth. Yes, it is. (laughs) But it doesn't cost me anything to, to say, I I see that I I hear you. And I see that the world you're living Mm -hmm. in is not the same world I'm living in, even though we're next door neighbors. Mm -hmm. But after seeing that, like we said, there is action. Mm-hmm. How do I help make the world a better place? Mm-hmm. Like the Good Samaritan story, he made the world a better place for that person. So how do I help do that? How do mm-hmm. I make 
the world safer for my neighbors? Because if it's not safe for my neighbors, it's not safe safe for for me. me. Yeah. And if they can't flourish, neither can I. Yeah. Because we are better together and God intended it to be that way. So how do I do that? And for us, that looks like helping kids in their, with their homework so they can thrive in school and do better in school. Sometimes it looks like providing stuff over the summer to do so the kids have something to do so they're not bored or getting in trouble or, or whatever it may be. And it also looks like just being a friend. Mm-hmm. How, how do I, how are you friends with your neighbor? Like with the people next door, it just looks like being a friend. Mm-hmm. It may be harder because I don't speak the language, but it doesn't mean we can't be friends and we can't start building those friendships. And, and if I were in that situation, I would want my neighbors to see me and I would want my neighbors to help me. I, I just, I, I can't look at that. You can't, I can't look at that and see that and then look at scripture and see all of the times through scripture that God said, love the stranger, welcome the, welcome the stranger. You were once that stranger, welcome them, mm-hmm. execute justice for the widow and for the orphan, execute justice for the poor, execute. Ju- I can't read scripture and see Jesus's heart and God's heart throughout all of scripture and see my neighbors dealing with that stuff and not go, okay, what needs, what do we need to do about this and how can we love better and how can we make the world a better place? There's a lot of ways to do that. You can become friends and get to know them. You can help your neighbors with things, but you can also engage with policies and politics and calling your representatives and saying, Hey, this is, this is causing suffering. Please change fight for this, fight for my neighbors, fight for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's harder to do because you're sometimes walking into a space where you're like, I'm not a politician. I don't know what that looks like, but sometimes being a neighbor requires engaging in those issues. Mm-hmm. And I think different people are going to have different passions and different skills, right? <clears throat> so I think, you know, God put you right where you are to fight the fight you're fighting, to do the work you're doing. And and many of us can participate in that same kind of mission or similar yeah, kinds of mission. Everyone can be a neighbor. Yeah, and, and sometimes it looks different, you know. Sometimes, like, I feel like in our specific situation where we where we live, we live in a community where it's an aging population, mm-hmm. a really significantly aging po- population. And we've had, just in the eight years we've been in our neighborhood, we've seen many of the homes in our immediate area flip because the people who lived there were the original owners. Mm -hmm. And then they got to be in their, in their seventies and eighties and nineties and either they passed away or they went into assisted living. And in some cases they're still living in their homes in their, in their late Mm seventies and eighties, they're still living in their homes. And, and for us, you know, we have the opportunity to see their needs you know what we know about the. This is a different population, but it's it's a it's a it's a not no less of a need. I think you know we know that older Americans, even just statistically, they're lonelier. They're spending more time alone after maybe living a life of very connectedness. Their friends are dying. They're alone. They they have limited access to be able to get out of their homes. There is higher rates of um, food insecurity than you can even imagine amongst the older population in our country, um, and. And basically, they they just need a neighbor, right? They need a friend. Their kids are busy. They're you know they're working full time. They're raising their own kids, so they're alone a lot. And they're generally not living with their parents at that right. Point. And we have we have seen the the need and the opportunity to minister to those 
to just be friends not even, I don't see it. I mean, it's maybe it's ministry, but it's really just loving on people, but, right? And that's what we're supposed to do. Right. That's what Jesus called us to do in, in living out his love and in, in living our life. How do we love the people who live next door to us? Yeah. How, how do I love the people? And, and in, so in your neighbor, in your context, that might look like in going, taking have, a meal, taking a meal, having yeah. a meal, listening to their stories yes. and hearing them and being again. a friend. Yeah. Again, <laughs> sometimes and being a friend or mowing a lawn yes. or getting an know, extra carton of yes. milk in your basket when exactly. you go to the grocery right. store because you're driving them to the doctor. Yes. If they, so that loving your neighbor is going to look different in every context mm-hmm. because all of our neighbors are different. My neighborhood is not the same as yours or right. as yours or, you know, so all of our neighbors are, our neighborhoods are different. So what does that look like and how can I see my neighbors and love them well mm-hmm. in just living my life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we have to be willing to see it. Yeah. Even if it's hard to hear and to see, we have right. to be willing to do that. Right. Loving our neighbor is simple. It's not always easy. Yeah. Yes. I think that's a, that's um, that's true about everything in life. Being living as a Christian, it's simple, straightforward. You know, some people I think they they and and this was me before I before I was a believer. Like I would read the Bible and be like, "What does he even say? I don't even know what this means. <laughs> like, why is the story even in the Bible? I don't I don't get it." And there are still stories in the Bible. I'm like, I read it and I'm like, okay, I know you put this here for a reason, but I'm not sure it was for me. <laughs> but I think, but I think you know. But now, um, I think I read it and I I understand much much more the whole story, mm-hmm. right? And we and I think the Bible is a good way to think about our whole lives. Like life is a tapestry, right? We it's not like we get this one thread and this is our story and that's it. Really that's not it. It's really this whole tapestry that God is putting together that has no no um <clears throat> no worry over time because God is not bound by time. So, you know, it's all these stories coming together and our story intersecting with other people's Mm -hmm. story and how that, how Jesus intersects Mm -hmm. with all of that. Mm -hmm. So I think to me, loving your neighbor is really about that. It's about figuring out how do, how does our story fit into the greater context of what God's doing in our community? And that can be in our immediate neighborhood and it can be in our city and it can be in our state and in our country and you, in the world. Yeah. You are a neighbor to the people two seconds down the road. You're a neighbor to the people in the city next to yours. You're the neighbor to the people across the country. And our neighbors are the people are our, our neighbors around the world, mm-hmm. especially today because we are such a, connected world mm-hmm. with social media and with the internet. I know what's going on in Syria. Yes. <laughs> thank you. I was at Timbuktu. I know what's going on in Syria because I see it. Yeah. And I know what's going on with refugee populations around the world because I have access to the news on right. my phone all the time. Right. So what does that mean? Yeah. How do I love my neighbor here and how do I love my neighbor there? And that's going to look different because mm-hmm. I'm not in Syria, clearly. Um, so I find organizations that are, that I can partner with, that are serving people there yeah. because I can't go there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are organizations doing good work there that are better able to serve mm-hmm. and better able to love their neighbor and allow me an opportunity to love my neighbors over in Syria too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the one word I heard you use earlier, and I think I maybe even saw it on one of your social media channels is um, intentionality mm-hmm. is really being intentional about like, I'm not going to let myself be on autopilot in my life mm-hmm. and let life just happen. I'm going to be intentional about considering 
how I can make the most impact in this moment of time that God's put me here. Our life is a vapor. It is quick. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm 45 this month, (laughs) next week. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. And so I think, you know, it's like I'm halfway through my life. That happened fast. Like, how can I, what do I do? I was just 16. I know. It's like, I remember that. I thought about that like that myself. I was like, that was just yesterday. Yeah, exactly. And so now like, okay, so if I'm halfway through, that means the rest is going to go fast too. Mm-hmm. How do I make an impact now, you know, that's going to, that's going to last beyond me? Not so that people remember me, but just so that the world is better after I'm gone. You know? Yeah, intentionality is so important. And I think it's it's also important when we talk about intentionality to not think about intentionality as a way to make our neighbors a community service project. No, yeah. Because we don't I don't they're not people aren't projects. Mm-hmm. They're people. And that's very important when you're and talking we, we about we can't position ourselves yes. as kind of like the savior yes. of the people. I don't around want us. to yeah. be I'm not your savior. I don't want to be your savior. I can't do that. Yeah. Um so being very intentional in the way I think mm-hmm. and in the way I speak, but also in how I act. And a lot of that is like we've said, being friends, like how are you friends with your friends, but also being intentional in being willing to do those harder things or, or spend some more of your time or sacrifice your time, which is not really a sacrifice because they're your family and they're your community. So it's not a sacrifice, but being willing to, to, use your time in different ways. Yeah. Instead mm-hmm. of binge watching that 12th show on Netflix, <laughs> sit on your porch and talk to your neighbor. Yes. Um, you may be right? able to talk about the Netflix show. Yeah. <laughs> if you have the means, pick a restaurant or a coffee shop in your community and go to it all the time over yeah. and over and over again, build relationships with the people who work there, with the people who own it. Um, now not all of us can do that because not all of us are able to spend that money to mm-hmm. go out, but you don't have to spend money to be a neighbor. That's just a suggestion. Yeah. Um, I've watched people build genuine friendships and, um, life change happen through those consistent showing up at the same restaurant or coffee shop over and over and over again. And it's, it's so cool to see because when you just start spending time with people, you get to know them and their stories and their stories become your story. Like Mm -hmm. you said, we're all tied together, but their concerns become my concerns. Mm -hmm. And I just see the world differently and Mm -hmm. we see the world together, but you have to be intentional in, in how I think and how I Mm -hmm. act and where I go and how I spend my money and Mm -hmm. how I spend my time. Mm -hmm. And because it's an investment, it is an investment. And, you only have so much of it. It's so worth it. Yeah. Like sometimes, for example, I have um, uh, one of our middle schoolers. She's moved a little bit further away, but she'll she'll sometimes call and she'll say, hey, I need a ride to so-and-so. Can you take me to church or can you take me to this? And sometimes I'm like, I do not want to drive tonight. I mean, I feel like my, it as you're picking up I'm your purse. In my pajamas. I'm like, I don't want to, <laughs> but I love that girl mm-hmm. and I would do just about anything for her. And so if I can, I say yes. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not, I mean, obviously I'm not always able to, there are, you know, but if I can, I say yes, mm-hmm. because I get to know her story and she, you know, um, and so sometimes you have to do things you may not want to, you know, but that's true in all of life, yeah, right. not just in being in it. But intentionality means using that time where I might have sat on my phone or am I going to use that time and invest in someone and show them I care about them? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned um, also is about making the invitation, like taking the first step, being the one to make the invitation. You know, I think that it's real easy to step back and sit back and say, like, you know, well, if somebody needs me, I'm here, you know, and to tell and to say to <laughs> people like, that. oh, if you Don't need me, if you need me, they, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, just call me if you need me. And what I've what I've learned is that it can't just be call me if you need me. M- more often now for me, it's, um, hey, when do you want to get together? I can get together on this day, this day, this day. When, when do you have time on in your schedule? And being the one who says, like, you know, I miss your face. Let's let's do something. I want to see your face. I want to see your eyeballs and I want to talk to you mm-hmm. in real life. You know, yeah, we got the social media connection and, you know, you like my posts, but I want to see your face. I want to hear your voice. Mm-hmm. I want to know that you're well. And I have a a number of friends um, who are single or divorced who are in my same phase of life. And so, um, and I love these girlfriends and, you know, and, and they have their own lives and I have my life and it's easy to get busy and not spend time with each other. But I'm trying really hard to be so intentional about making the time to do that, you know? And if it's that, and think about like, if it's that difficult to do with your friends, sometimes it's going to be hard to do that with our neighbors or with people who are not like close friends, Mm -hmm. but it's so important. And I think we have to see the idea of neighbor as not just my close friends and not just the people who live right next door, but also the people who might live a neighborhood away or a world away. And they might, they might be different than me and, and that's good and that's okay. But how am I, how am I loving them as my neighbor Mm -hmm. and how am I, how am I loving people who are, who are not the same as me either culturally or ethnically or socioeconomically or religiously in in any Mm -hmm. way? Mm -hmm. Um, if, how am I loving them as my neighbor? Mm -hmm. That's harder Yeah, because we don't have that common I'm your friend already. Yeah. We don't have that common bond necessarily, but it's so intent. It's so important. And as believers, I think that is a key part of how we live out the gospel. Because, like you said earlier, we were intended to all be different and all be together. And when we are together, and when we join and become friends and and join together with people who may not be like us, that's a better picture of the gospel Mm -hmm. because only God could have knit our souls together Mm. because we are so different. Mm. And that's such a better picture of what he intended life to be. Mm -hmm. We have to be willing to to do that and Mm -hmm. be intentional in those ways, as well as being intentional with people who are already my friends are already in the spaces that I go to all the time. Mm -hmm. We have to be intentional in both areas because Mm -hmm. that's really what being part of being a neighbor is being Mm -hmm. intentional with people who are in my context and being intentional with people who are out of my context, not with an agenda and not trying to make someone a project, but truly loving and getting to know them and, and becoming friends with them. Some of the friends that I've made in my neighborhood are they're They're very different than I am, but I love them and, Mm -hmm. and they're, they're good friends. And I love seeing how I love seeing their world and their culture and being invited in and knowing um, that we can be family and we can be friends, even though we're different. And it's, it's important for me not to sit in that echo chamber almost of people who are like myself, but because I get, like I said earlier, I get to see the world through their eyes and it challenges how I think and how I, how I view the world and the ways I engage with people. But really it truly is all about being intentionally friendly and being an intentional 
intentionally kind mm-hmm. being and intentionally seeing people. And in, it, it's so important. So tell us about your nonprofit. So our nonprofit is called Lovewell, and we af- formed the nonprofit last September, but we officially hit a, a year and a half ago, September. We officially hit one year with our name Lovewell like a week ago, oh, actually. Wow. So I love that name. That's <laughs> Happy anniversary. So thank well, you. Well. Um, and so we are um, in, co- we just want to live in community. Really, that's the purpose is that's the, what the name is. We want to love, we want to do it well. And I love the word well, because it has like I was doing some research on the word and it has this connotation, this, this older meaning of thoroughly. Mm. So I want to love you well with excellence, but I want to do it thoroughly. And how, how's the best way that I can do this? So I loved, that's one reason we picked it. I also kind of like that. It's like a well, like water, mm. it's kind of like a double meaning, like a, a well of love, which sounds really cheesy, no, but it's I like love flowers it. and hearts and butterflies. <laughs> and, cheesy is cute. <laughs> no, but I think it's the, but, you know, it's the, it's um, the scripture too, though, that Jesus, Jesus says the living water. Right, exactly. And so I just love water has always been very like healing and calming and peaceful to me. And so I, I loved the idea that it was kind of a well that never ends yes. this well of love that never ends, but also I want to love people with excellence and we want to do it the best ways we can where we affirm people and we affirm and respect, um, and, see them Mm -hmm. and, and affirm their, their lives and their dignity. I'm not giving you dignity. I'm affirming what you already have. And sometimes, sometimes when we serve or when we Mm -hmm. love our neighbor, I feel like we can feel like I'm doing something for them Mm -hmm. or look how much better because I, that's not true. That's not, you know, that's a very condescending way to Mm -hmm. treat people and they're, you know, and so I'm not, that's again, positioning yourself as a savior. Yes. And that's not what we want to do. So when we talk about loving well, um, how do we do that the best ways where we love people without that condescending attitude Mm -hmm. and, and, genuine love. Um, and so what we do, we live in, we live in that neighborhood. I, there's a girl who volunteers consistently lives in the apartment complex with me, but, um, we moved in with the intention of just getting to know people and, and, you know, being friends and being neighbors. And when we moved in, we had been doing the summer camp with the kids for about two, two years. And then the mom, some of the moms in the neighborhood found out we were teachers and they said, Hey, can you help our kids with our homework? And so we started doing homework help with the kids and we see them once a week. We're now in two different apartment complexes. We see them once a week and do the summer camp all summer long once a week. And, um, we also have a girls, middle school girls discipleship group where we're walking through, um, just different scripture and thing issues that they're just investing in them and mentoring them really is what it is, but biblically based. Um, and that's been so special and so fun. One of the, my favorite things that we've done is, um, for Valentine's day, they were like, can we, can you, can you help us do our hair? And so like they came over at like six 30 in the morning before school started and, me and one, this other girl, the other girl who lives there, we curled their hair and helped them get ready for school because it was Valentine's Day and that's super, super fun. And, <laughs> and we had donuts. We had Valentine's donuts from Dunkin' Donuts. And then we went to Starbucks on the way to school. And um, and so, so we have cute. So yeah, they were hand wrapped up. Yeah, exactly. Sugar and caffeine. But it was just so much fun. And that's been one of the, the most fun things we've done is, yeah. is, you know, just hanging out with them and getting to know them and 
Um, and they they may listen to this and hear me talking about them, but, um, one of, sometimes they'll text me and they'll be like, Hey, can you help me set up my phone? And I'm like, sure. I know nothing about technology. <laughs> and I've had three of them now be like, can you help me set up my phone? I'm like, uh, sure. Come on over and, um, we'll figure it out yeah, together. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I can barely work Instagram. And so, um, but it's just been like fun getting to know them and, and through getting to know the kids with the summer camp and we've gotten to know some of their families. And, um, and so it's just been super fun. And, you know, I love, I just love the idea of getting to see them like graduate and like just being a part of their lives. And, but with the kids, it's really just investing in them and, and what is sometimes it looks like summer camp and sometimes it looks like homework help. And sometimes it looks like letting them use their computer because they may not have one to do their school stuff or just hanging out and having ice cream. And sharing, sometimes it's wanding hair. Yes. Like. <laughs> having Chick-fil-A, sharing your French fries on the porch, you know, like it, it can be, but it's been so fun. Mm -hmm. Um, so we are, we do that kind of stuff in two neighborhoods now. Um, and just getting to, again, I say that over and over, but it really is just getting to know people and just loving them, um, and loving them well and loving them well. And um, if people want to learn more, where can they go? So we are building a website right now. It will be uh, lovewellinc.org, but it's not completed yet. So if you go there, it's probably going to look like nothing right now. <laughs> um, but we are on social, uh, social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at be love well. So B E love well, um, which I thought I really loved that we were able to use that because that's what we want to, to be is we want to love people. Well. We want to be love oh, and do it I well. And so I loved that we were able to kind of get that hand to that name. That's um, beautiful. But so that's where we are on social media. And we, if you are in Marietta and you're in the area, um, we are always looking for volunteers and people to come join us and play with kids and, and, um, hang out. I love that. I love that. And so if people are not in Marietta, but they want to get plugged into their local community for a similar service, what would you recommend? Do your research, start finding, finding community, finding people who are already doing it. Cause there may be yeah. already people already doing it and you, you just may not know. Yeah. Um, the churches in the area might be doing something. Your school, uh, if you have the opportunity to volunteer at your school, your local mm. school, just call the, call the school up and say, Hey, I'd like to volunteer. I'd like to come help read to a kid once a week if you can, or can I have lunch with kids? Do you have a mentoring program I can get involved in? Um, if you want to just start getting to know neighbors in your community, like I said earlier, pick a restaurant that's not in your normal, like realm of restaurants you go to and start going to it and getting to know people on that side of mm -hmm. your community or wherever. There's a lot of ways to do that. Start mm -hmm. doing your research, start reading, yeah, reading books about what it means to be a neighbor and what yeah. it means to be in community. Listen to people who are different from you. If you're on social media, find people to follow who, who are going to challenge you in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, that's how I learned so much is mm -hmm. following people and listening to people who had already been doing those things, mm -hmm. who could teach me what it meant to be a neighbor. Mm -hmm. And so, um, those are the, if you're not, if this is totally new to you, find people on social media. If you're on social media, um, if you're not on social media, find a restaurant and start mm -hmm. going if you can. Mm -hmm. Um, Start. And we'll put some of the, I know you'll have recommendations mm -hmm. for books and things like that. And I'll make sure that they're on the post that accompanies okay. the show. Yeah. So there's, we can point people in the right so direction. Many. So many. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Well, I love that. And thank you for sharing your heart with us. Do you have anything else that you haven't said yet that you wanted to make sure you got <laughs> out while you were with us? Oh gosh, pressure. Um, <laughs> just when you're looking at neighboring and you'll, you'll hear that word sometimes. And really it just means being a neighbor. Just, 
think about how you would feel in the situations your neighbor is in. And like I said, the world needs to be safe for all of us, for Mm -hmm. any of us to be safe. And we all need to be able to flourish for any of us to flourish. We are better together. So just try, start trying to see and, and see those things and challenge yourself Mm -hmm. and, what does it mean in your context to be a neighbor? And don't assume in your context that it means lo- only loving the person next door to you. Mm-hmm. Well, who is in your context that might be overlooked or ignored? Mm-hmm. Um, who are the outcasts in your context? Who are the people on the margins that no one else in your city or very few people in your city are paying attention to? Mm-hmm. Those are your neighbors. And maybe they are the people where you can start engaging. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's a great challenge. That's a great challenge. Dee, did you have anything else you wanted to ask or say? No, I think you did a great job of covering it all. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It was fun to talk about it. It Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Thanks for sharing your heart and just your vision. And I think it's incredible what you're doing. And um, I hope that the people who listen are also inspired and encouraged to think harder about their own neighborhoods and what it means to be a neighbor to those people that maybe they, they hadn't ever thought about as their neighbor mm-hmm. because certainly we are all connected and um, I love uh, to me as I've listened to you talk so much of what I keep coming back to is that 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 truth that we are all connected and we 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 can't avoid that we can pretend like we don't know it but we do we can't ignore it completely you know we can pretend like we don't know it but we know it and if you yeah, listen to this whole show easy. now you know it <laughs> you know it I think when um, me and my youngest son visited NASA a couple years ago is when it became just really, really clear to me (laughs) how connected we are to one another around the whole world Mm -hmm. because, you know, they show pictures of Mm -hmm. the earth from the space station and you're like, wow, we we really are all on this rock together, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. means that we are brothers and sisters. We are of the same human race, homo sapiens sapiens, (laughs) like, we've got to do better. We've got to do better. And I think especially for those that are, that claim Christ, Mm -hmm. those of us that claim Christ, we've got to do better loving our brothers and sisters. Absolutely. And we don't do that well enough. Yeah, absolutely. So go forward and do well. Love well. Love you. Love well. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to the show today, girls. I think that this has been amazing, and I hope that you're inspired and you're encouraged, and you're going to think about what you can do to make a difference, to love well where you are. And as we wrap up the show, we always have one question we ask. <laughs> At the end of every show, we ask the same question. That is, what are you going to do today to be healthier? So, D, you go first. So for me, um, I, like, last night decided to create a cocktail. Um, It's like watermelon and ginger and spearmint and rum and... It was not great. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And so I probably drank more than I should have trying to kind of get it right. Yeah, you got to get that recipe right. I'm like dehydrated. So I am going to drink a lot of water today in order to be well. Very good. I love that. I think that that is a very smart thing to do. (laughs) What about you, Brooke? I am actually going to spend time with some of my friends and family today. Oh, love Um, it. 
which is something that sometimes it's hard to do because they live far away. So yeah. that's going to be an emotionally healthy thing for me to do I today. Love so. I love that. I'm going to do the same thing. So yeah. that's my that's my <laughs> thing today too. Is we are so um, we're recording this on Mother's Day weekend, and so um, tomorrow's Mother's Day, and so I'm having my mom and my sister and my dad and um, for dinner, and so I'm going to be cooking and making a delicious meal to share Ooh. with my family, and I'm excited about that. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I love that. Yeah. So uh, follow me on social if you want to know what the menu is. <laughs> it's always really good. Oh, it's, it's going to be good. Really good. It's going to be good. Okay. Well, again, thanks so much for listening, ladies. I just love that um, that we get to share with you so many things that aren't just about nutrition because y'all know that I'm a foodie and I love food and nutrition is my life, but it's not my whole life. There are a whole lot of other things that go into being healthy. And so I think this topic was a little outside of what might be considered normal for a healthy, you know, for a show about women's health. But y'all, we're not divorced from our brains and our spirit. So this show, I hope um, you see as an opportunity to invest in your spiritual and emotional health. So, all right, I, um, that's it. I hope you guys have a great day and we will talk to you soon. All right. Bye y'all.